Amen. Man, I feel like every Sunday worship is awesome, but some Sundays are like, that's double awesome, right? Like, so good, you guys. Thank you so much for, for leading us in awesome songs that you chose. You know, um, I, I've shared with you before that in, right out of high school, uh, I joined Youth with a Mission. And I joined Youth with a Mission because I didn't want to go to college. And, uh, and I loved Jesus. And I thought, well, you know, they'll take me. And, uh, and, and God will use anything that he can, right? And, and I've heard that statement, he'll take you the easiest way you'll go. And, um, and that led me through a journey of meeting, through, meeting some amazing people. And Julie, I think it was 1998, seven, before the turn of the century, um, I met our our speaker today, and uh, Julie was involved in the discipleship training school program, and and I was her older leader, wasn't I, Julie? (laughs) That's funny about youth with a mission, you know, you're like two years apart, but anyways, I'm probably more than that from you, Julie. But anyways, um, so this was back in 1998. I had a chance to meet Julie, and um, we, uh, from this team that we had, um, went through a, a program of discipleship for three months and then on into the mission field for a couple of months. And ours was an adventure for sure. We went from the, the training was based in uh, Lausanne, Switzerland, and uh, we went to... Um, to Brazil and to the favelas of Brazil in the middle of, of drug trafficking and gunshots and all kinds of crazy. And from there, we went to the, this very remote island called Cape Verde. And all the while, um, our, our mission was to just bring the gospel, to love on children, to, um, to intercede. And particularly in the nation of Cape Verde, um, they had experienced drought for a generation. And, um, and we went with faith, man. How many of you know God honors big faith? And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we trusted God. We even had a chance to speak to the nation on radio. Isn't it amazing what God will do when you just sort of show up and we're all in our 20s just loving Jesus and, and running, why wouldn't God want to do something like that? And uh, Julie, you probably remember the details better, but I feel like it was the last week, last few days of the trip when we were in a, a, a bus, a little uh, taxi van heading to the capital city. And I remember distinctly that Bob Marley was playing in that uh, particular van that we had hired. And all of a sudden, um, we saw the drip drops of rain uh, hit the windshield. And that rain went from drops to a downpour and children playing for the first time in the rain. It was amazing. And so I just share that as a little context. So years after that had happened, just a few years ago, I reconnected with Julie and her now husband, Alan, who she met along the way, a great man of God, and their three children. And they are serving the Lord faithfully throughout the globe. And both of them are, are lawyers in the area and just ministering in discipleship in the areas of government and injustices that are happening globally. And so when Julie said, hey, is there a few people that I could meet with when I'm in town? I'm like, yeah, there's a few. We're going to share you with the whole crew. Just because I just believe that um, God brings people into our lives for a reason, don't you? And, and he reconnects us for a reason. And so um, it's with a lot of purpose and, and I believe Holy Spirit orchestration that these two get to come and share with us and that we're privileged to receive them. And so we just want to honor you both for what you do for the Lord. And, and man, Julie, I just feel emotional just thinking the way that the Lord had brought us together as a, with a team of others all those years ago and to see what you're doing now. It's just inspiring. And so we just honor you guys. And would you just come and, and join me up here? And would you welcome Alan and Julie Anjo?
I should hug you too. <laughs> I'm going to pray for them and then hand them over the microphone. Father, I thank you for this couple and I thank you for their family. God, we bless them. And, and with those eyes that see and those ears that hear, would you speak through them into our hearts? And thank you. We bless them in the name of Jesus. And we welcome them in their gift in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There you go. Annie, thank you so much for that. While I let Julie kind of plug in there. Um, wow, just thank you so much for, um, for the invitation, for the warmth and the fellowship that we just kind of see here with everybody. And we are just so blessed to be able to talk to you guys today. Anybody back there can hear me? Oh, look at that. Wow. That's awesome. Exciting. <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much. We're so honored to be here. And Danny. <laughs> always called, we always called him Daniel, so it's still a little weird to me even 20 years later. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you so much for that great introduction. Yeah. Um, the power of God. I mean, man. We just want to take this time, and I'm just, I'm going to let Alan take this section, but I just want to take this time, and I just really want you guys to listen to the Lord this morning. Please, take this moment of your life and be open to what he says. So. Can we have the first slide, please? Um, we, we're praying about what to talk to you guys about. You know, what is it that you want to hear about? But more importantly, what is it that God wants to tell you? And so we were planning this trip for a little bit of a time and reflecting on what circumstances kind of brought us here, we decided maybe this is one of the topics of being called to serve. And we wanted to share with you a little bit about our journey of how we find ourselves here. But at the same time, we want to kind of hopefully share with you some things that we learned along the way and kind of give you an ability to maybe look at your life in a different way and see how else you're also called to serve. Can I get the next slide? Great. So um, obviously we're the Angelo family, and um, th that's who we are. It's our ministry of, to, of service itself. And so one of the things that we always say is that um, every person is a missionary, and every missionary is an advocate. And we kind of really want to see this lived out in everybody's lives, whether they be believers or not, but especially for believers of being a missionary, being a representative of Christ, and what does that actually require you to do? Uh, next slide. So um, we are a family called to missions. That's individually each one of us feels like we have a very specific um, calling in that. Yeah, um, you know, in YWAM, one of our foundational values is actually that we serve together as family. It's not just mom or dad who are the ones called because who, like, all are God's children. Like, our children are not God's grandchildren. Our children are God's children, just the same as we are. And so, as a family, we're all called to serve. We all have the power of the Holy Spirit at work and alive in us. So, next slide. Oh, so um, this is just us. We gave you a little bit quick introduction about each of us. So um, 
Alan, um, <laughs> Julie. Um, we have a son who's Samuel, and he is in with the children um, and Hannah. Samuel's nine, and he has a real heart with prayer and intercession. He also has a real, he brings joy in the room. He has just this like, he's very, it's very contagious, you know, and he's around and he's full of life. Um, Hannah, she is absolutely gifted with worship and art, actually. Um, so here we have her with our hula. So we've lived in Kona, Hawaii for the last eight years and, I, and served there at that YWAM base. And then God called us out to England to a new season. But this is when she was dancing hula. This is, in, my son Samuel's dressed up as English schoolboy. Like he, in England they had to wear like, um, you know, like the whole uniforms. And so he came from like Hawaii where he's got like long like surfer hair and then he got second and they had to cut his hair for England. So, so this is a joke, you know, but um, that's actually not really his character so much. He's like, um, because he really would rather have the long surfer hairstyle. Um, but anyway, and then Daniel, we have a two-year-old Daniel, um, and he's just full of life, and um, he just brings joy where he goes. He really sees people, actually. But and that is our little family section. Okay. Next slide, please. So. so you're wondering how we actually got I'll let you. there. I'm going to step down and let him tell a little bit about us, and then I'll come up in a few minutes, and then it will talk to you about things that we feel like the Lord's speaking to you guys today. Uh, yeah, so our journey... How did we get from being lawyers to being missionaries? And, you know, one of those questions that we always um, are asked is, how can you be a Christian and a lawyer at the same time? Either you're either good at one or bad at the other. And if you're good at one, I'm not going to hire you. And if you're bad at the other, I'm not going to call you to church. And fundamentally, we're like, no, when you are actually a Christian lawyer, when you're a Christian um, accountant, when you're a Christian politician, when you're a Christian doctor, you're actually held to a higher standard. You're not held to a lower standard. You're not held to what society thinks is required of a lawyer or a politician or a used car salesman. And no one sells to the used car salesman out there. But we are all individually called to a higher standard. And that is what we want to be able to present to people as Christian attorneys and as believers in Christ, that the value of who we are is not our profession, but is the calling that we have. And so it was 2014 when we felt the desire and the calling to join ministry itself, and we weren't certain exactly where, but as um, Danny was talking about, Julie's background with YWAM kind of brought us an avenue for us to be uh, utilized in the mission field. And so when people think about missionaries, you're thinking about going through, you know, the jungles, going out into the interiors of the mountains and reaching out to people. And so when we told people that we were going to be lawyers and be missionaries, um, it just really didn't connect because people didn't realize that sometimes mission organizations, churches, need a lot more than just what we think is a missionary. And so we were called to Hawaii, and that's where we helped start the Office of General Counsel. And our mission work was, how many contracts can we read a day? You know, our ministry was, how can we disciple someone in filing proper taxes? You know, our mission contribution was, how many missionaries can we send out to different countries and bring in to, for training on visas? And it was definitely um, a perspective change for both Julie and I. 
uh, where we felt that we were called to be lawyers and then now we were called to be missionaries and how do we integrate that particular value and our, um, our callings into that. During the time our office prepared you know, visas, contracts, it's just really, really boring stuff that you just don't get to talk about you know, on stage and people are like, yeah, that's what I want to do. You know, <laughs> more contracts, redline that. Um, but the impact of that was in 2019, I mean, we sent out you know, nearly 2,000 missionaries from the Kona base that we were able to bring in people, have them on the proper visas, we were able to train them, we were able to send them out to different countries, and we felt like our contribution to that was impacting the nations. And it was such a great opportunity for us to grow both as professionals and also as um, missionaries to really see that impact around the world. Can I get the next slide, please? Um, Youth with a Mission is the organization that we joined, and I think you guys have heard several speakers come and talk to you about Youth with a Mission, so I really won't go too far into it. But the University of the Nations also, it's a, it's a college, so Danny could have gotten a degree there if he wanted to. Um, and those are two organizations, two parts of the Ministry of Youth with a Mission that we really were working with and our heart and our desire to um, contribute, to add in, to give value to people that were actually feeling the calling of Christ. And this is where we, um, next slide, where we thought the local fo focus of what we're doing and the global impact that we wanted to do was part of the contributions. And so while we were sitting in the office doing contracts, we were also going out and doing outreaches. And it was both the application of our professional training, but also the application of the calling that we felt. And so we got opportunities to go out to Nepal and you know, help with relief work. We got opportunities to go to um, Papua New Guinea and uh, Cameroon. But what we were trying to do during that time was really start integrating the skill set that we had as missionaries, but also our profession as lawyers. And how do we really maximize that and let God utilize that as a positive impact on the world? And so that interaction, the next slide please, was empowering people to change nations. We felt that yes, we could go out and do something, but our calling was to teach, to train, to empower individuals. And so we started schools within the University of the Nations um, to train the missionaries, the people that really wanted to go out there and do things and felt like they had no skill, they had no education, they had no idea about what God was calling. We really wanted to like say, look, you, you have a calling, you have an authority, you have the power to be able to change the world. You know, let us help you a little bit. Uh, we also were supporting well, YWAM ministries within the United States and this is the boring stuff, like how you start a 501c3 so that the IRS doesn't come to you. How do you do visas? How do you do threat analysis? And how do you really maintain a good foundation for your ministry so that then you can send out two, three, four, you know, a hundred uh, missionaries every year? Because we felt that if there wasn't a place for the missionaries and the people being called to, in a physical sense, an organization, a building, then you're not really maximizing the number of missionaries that can go out. And so our calling in that particular sense was to train 
ministries and organizations to be able to be financially and, um, I guess, legally stable in being able to continue for generations rather than just come up and then realize that they didn't file the right taxes and they have to shut down. So this comes up to the question of the next slide of, you know, who are you? And as you can see, Julie's a lot more of a dynamic speaker than I am. I, I make PowerPoints, <laughs> you know, and that's why I think I was talking to Danny about how couples sometimes have work on the strengths and weaknesses. And so I'm going to hand it over to Julie because this is her strength on just being able to share a story with you. Thanks, Alan. Um, yeah, in Hawaii, we say we like to talk story. You know, we talk story. And um, so when I was thinking today, I was like, I think I want to talk story a little bit with you guys. Um, but, but more than that, like, when we were looking to come here, I thought, um, oh, you know, I had my own ideas about, like, what our goals, like, what we need to accomplish, you know. And then, and then God spoke. Okay, and have you ever noticed that when God speaks, it's not on topic? <laughs> I mean, is that, is that just me? Because every time he starts to say something, I'm like, that's not what we're talking about. And he's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, but then it transcends everything you were just asking him. And he's like, oh, okay, that, that actually does answer all my questions and the ones I didn't know I had. But this is one of those cases where I was like, okay, this is what I think, you know, Lord, what are we going to do? What do you need us to do? And we have this. Um, you know, we need this season, we need to go do fundraising because we're self-supported missionaries, we stay on the field by raising funds. And, and I thought, okay, you know, this is, we need to do this. And then he, he, um, he woke me up and he said, this is what I want to talk about. And I was like, and he said, because for me, um, <laughs> he's like, I don't really care about the funds. You know, he's like, um, when we were, we were, so my, my background actually, before I went to law school was biblical studies. I love the Bible. I could, I could just study it. I could read it. I love it. It's the most amazing book to read. And um, actually, Danny um, really, when in my DTS, he would get up and he would talk about this thing called the School of Biblical Studies. And they like, they went through the Bible like five times five times. And I was like, oh my word, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard in nine months. And I'm like, this is such a cool thing. I want to do that. And so that was my focus. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do biblical studies. So I, law was not on the table, by the way. I could not imagine why anybody would want to do law. Like my friend growing up, she thought, she told me she wouldn't be a lawyer when she grew up. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, that sounds great for you. I cannot imagine why someone would want to be a lawyer. Like, I'm sorry. I, nothing about this sounds exciting. Nothing about this sounds even remotely interesting, I would say. As Alan pointed out, contracts, red lines. Um, but God, always but God, you know. And, um, and so when we were talking, it's like this, this biblical studies. I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I love. And one of the, the, so I did biblical studies. And one of the things that came up was Scubalon. And like, um, like our works are like scubalon to God, which is like a, a dirty word for 
defecation. Okay? But it's like it's like not an acceptable word, but it's what Paul wrote. And um, and I felt like God said to me about my concern about raising finances and making sure our family supported it was kind of like scuba to him. Like that's not where he was, but where he is is in the people. Where he is is in you. And I felt like the one thing that he wanted to say in this time was not so much to talk about us, it was to talk about you. And he woke me up and he said, I have a word for them. And so I jumped up, ran to my computer because, you know, that moment is like between half asleep and half awake and you're like, oh wow, I really heard what he said, I better write this down or I'm going to forget it. So I was, but I was writing just as fast as I could write. And so this is the story I want to talk to you about. And that is why I said, I really want you to take a minute with the Lord right now and I want to ask, who are you? Who are you? Ask him, who are you? So God, I do just ask right now that you would fill this room with the power of your holy presence, Lord, that we don't take for granted, that we don't look at what's on our mind as this is what's important, and we don't hear and see what you think is important, God. And I just want to say right now, Lord, would you speak to each one of our hearts, like move me out of the way in Jesus' name and speak your word that you have to say to these people today, that it be exactly what you say, that the Holy Spirit speaks from here to there, and that things are not lost in communication, but it's exactly what you have to say. And so I ask right now, would you speak to each one of our hearts and answer, Lord, who are we? Who am I, Lord? Really, not who do people say I am, not who do I think I am, who am I? I'm going to talk, you listen to him, okay? Sometimes, as I mentioned, he's totally off topic, and that's okay. There's always space for him to talk about whatever he needs to talk to you about today. <laughs> but this is what I feel like, this is the direction I want to go, what I feel like he's saying. Um, can we get to the next slide? We're going to talk about calling. Who is called? Some of this I know sounds very, very obvious, and it's going to sound obvious, but I really feel like that you guys need to be reminded. Because I think there are things in our lives that have told us that we can and can't do things. I think there are things in each one of our lives that we live out as truth, but they are not. They are lies. They are, they are not what he wants you to build your life on. He has chosen you. Who is called? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. That's the Great Commission, and we hear it all the time. And you know what? A lot of people think, oh, that's, uh, they're missionaries. That's what they do. That's great. And I'm sure in this church that that is not where you guys end up with because I 
I, I know your pastor, and I know that that is not his heart. He knows that it is all of us that are called to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything he has taught us. It is not just for missionaries. It is for anyone who knows the name of Jesus, that we have the honor of living life to what he has called us to be. It is for you. You are called by him. You have been chosen. It is not just because, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter if you're from the rich or the poor or whether you have an education or whether you don't. You have been empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit and you are called to go. You are called to be what he has created you to be. He has greater plans for your life than you do. So let me tell you a little bit. Oh, can we go to the next slide? I will tell you a little of my story. Because as I mentioned a moment ago, I love biblical studies. I mean, I love it. Um, I did that school, School of Biblical Studies. I majored in it through the University of Nations before I went to law school. And um, God sent me on outreach because that's what we do in YWAM. We go out on outreaches. My outreach for my Bible training was actually to Myanmar. And these are the most amazing people. You see, these are some of the professors I was working with in the middle. Um, such amazing people. They love the Lord so much. This is their traditional dress. I'm sorry, I have to throw this in because I find this amazing. Do you see the ladies have this dress around the center? In the center, it, it's woven. It looks like snakeskin. And, and, the, and the, one of the ladies walked over to me, the professors, and she said, because I was wearing their clothes, you know. <laughs> and she said, do you know why? She's like, what does that look like to you? And I was like, uh, it actually looks like a snakeskin. She's like, it is. It does look like a snakeskin. She said, do you know why our traditional dress has a snakeskin in it? And I said, no. And she said, it's because according to our tradition, it is from the woman that will come the one who will crush the serpent underfoot. So we wear this every day to remind us that it's from woman that will come the one who will crush the serpent. And I was like, wow. But that's embedded in their tradition. Why? Because God is not the God of the West. God is God. And they had believed for generations and centuries, way before a missionary got to them, that they were to wait because they had been separated from God. But one day someone would come and they would bring the truth to how to reunite with God. And it was from the woman that will come the one to crush the evil one underfoot. And they waited and waited for generations for someone to come. And the moment they came, the whole group of people got saved because they were waiting for him. And they had been waiting for generations. As soon as the truth of Jesus came, he was their God because he is our God. It's not something we have to try to convince people. He is their God. So, um, so I was in Myanmar. <laughs> I just, that's a side note. I just want you to see like how powerful and beautiful the gospel is. And I know you know that, but it amazes me every day. So we're in Myanmar, and I'm teaching. And when I was there, it was in 
2001. Yeah, I was six years old. Thanks. <laughs> um, so, uh, in, in, in 2001. And when I was there, they were really under a lot of persecution. The Karen people here were Christians, and Christians were not really all that well liked and are not well liked that much. But there was so much persecution, and it was quite a closed nation. So to get into it, they had hardly seen a white Western person. Um, but they came to me, and, and I, like, I'm a scientist. Okay, literally, I was probably about 21, not six, but okay. Um, the guy in the middle, or at the end there, um, he came over to me, and he said, knowing, knowing that when you spoke ill of the government in Myanmar, you disappeared. Your family disappeared because you didn't know who in the room was a friend or a foe. You didn't know if your brother would turn you into the government. That this was normal life for them. He walked to me and he said, please, please would you tell your government what they're doing to our people? Please would you help us? This is my brother in Christ. And I looked at him and I was confronted with the reality that I did not have the tools to help him. I can teach him the Bible, I can pray, I can intercede, but this, all I could think is, you don't understand, nobody cares what I think. You just wasted your breath and possibly your life to ask me that question and I have nothing to give you. And I think at that moment, I was confronted with the reality that I did not have the tools, and I needed to go to the next level because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yes, it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the remission of sins. And if you do not know Jesus, he is the answer. He is your greatest hope. He is the greatest dream of your life. Please, if you don't know him, come talk to Danny, talk to any of us, and we will show you how to know him because he is life. That is it. But there's another part. There's more to just the gospel than saying, hey, Jesus loves you. He does. But Jesus loves you when you're desperate. Jesus loves you when you have no hope. These people do not have a hope. They do not have a way to out of this situation. They can't go and get, go take their kids somewhere else. There was none of that. There was nowhere else to go. And so... I realized sometimes I need to have a learn how to have, I had to learn how to have my own voice so I could give a platform for other people to use theirs. And that is when God started saying, law is a way that you can teach people to have a platform for their own voices. Julie, you can help them. Because yes, I know the word of God, but you know the whole gospel is life. I have come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. Is it abundant when your kids are starving? Is it abundant when you are going to be sold into slavery tomorrow because you spoke something like that? Help me, please. Is that abundant life? Because I don't think it is. I don't think that's God's highest. When he looks at us, I don't think that's his dream for us. I don't think that's what he created us for. 
And that is when things start to shift from just doing the traditional path to, oh my gosh, we've got to help these people. We have to send them. We have to give them hope because Jesus is hope. And he is life. And there is so much to him. And you know what? You know that. You know it. And you've lived it. You know, you talk about the joy of the Lord. I used to sit and think, what is the joy of the Lord? I was like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But I just couldn't get my head around it. And then one day he showed me these people. And he said, Julie, when you wake up in the morning, you know who I am. Do you know? Even He's like, when your nation talks, we say, you have a... You have rights. You know, we value people. You, you don't just go to prison and then sit there and rot for eight or ten years before they bring a charge against you. That's not acceptable. But it happens in many, many nations. Your whole nation, Julie, is embedded in Judeo-Christian values that started at the base of it. And even those who don't know me are living out benefits from kingdom of God principles in their nation. She doesn't have that. He said this, he showed me one of the, the ladies in this place, she didn't have that. The joy of the Lord is not there. Because my kingdom is not in that space, it's not living for her in that space. And, and that is when he started to say, that's the joy of the Lord, Julie. The joy of the Lord is so much bigger than just like, <laughs> no, it's knowing when there is righteousness and justice being perpetuated in the land. Hawaii, one of our, our mottos was the righteousness is perpetuated in the land. Wow. Is righteousness perpetuated, being perpetuated in the lands? So, this is what this, oh, can I have the next slide? This is, um, this is, but the next, this is why he started to speak to me. He started to say, it's this. The Lord looked and was displeased. There was no justice. He saw there was no one. He was appalled. There was no one to intervene. <laughs> Look around the earth. He looked the whole earth. There's no one to intervene. People are dying and starving and hurting. Is that his highest? Is that what he wants? Is, the, is that the full gospel of Jesus without, with no justice in the earth? Because if I look at this, I think, no. But I love this. His own arm worked salvation for him. His, his own righteousness sustained him. He put on the righteousness of his breastplate and a helmet of salvation. Does that sound familiar? Breastplate, righteousness, helmet, salvation? I've heard that somewhere. Have you heard that somewhere? It never dawned on me that God himself puts on the armor of God when he's going out. But he does. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. But I missed that memo. Until I read this verse, and he's like, that's him. But this is God. So he sees it in the earth. He sees injustice in the earth, and he himself is going to stand and make a difference. He's going to rise up and say, this is not okay. And he acts. But do we want that to be our generation? Can I have the next slide? Please, Lord, let that not be the word for our generation. That when you look across the earth, there is no one to intervene for these people. There is. We do want you to rise up, Lord. But Lord God, let this be a generation that looks across the earth and his children are rising up with him.
that they stand and walk with him in the battles that he wants to fight and the hope that he wants to bring to the nations, the healing that he wants to bring to the nations. Who is God? He is our healer. When God brings about an act of justice, it is balanced with mercy. When I looked at the, the armor of God, I thought, you know, breastplate of righteousness. God had been speaking all these words over and over to me about righteousness and justice and mercy. And, and I saw that they were all there. The armor of God were all these words he kept speaking over and over to me. And I thought, oh, there they are. Oh, wait. No, one, justice and mercy is not there. Salvation is there. That's different. And I said, God, what are you saying? And he said, Julie, because when I work justice, it is balanced with perfect mercy and it's salvation. He's like, salvation is a perfect balance of justice and mercy. And when there is no space for that to exist, I will create a space for it. Whoever could have imagined that Jesus, that God would come in flesh and die for our sins, that was not something I saw coming. You know, like, you don't look and think, what kind, like, that that's the solution, but it is perfect justice, and it is perfect mercy, and he invented a new way to do it. He said, that is how I do justice, Julie. I do it by bringing healing to people. God has, can I have the next slide? God has called us to be that intervener. God has called us to join him in what he's doing. Because he came that people may have life and have it abundantly. And he is inviting you to be a part of it. This is not someone else's battle. This is the battle of the children of God. And he has, for some unknown reason, again, beyond the scope of my comprehension, chosen it to come through his children. He chose you to be the one that changes nations. It is not someone else. Do not be deceived. It is you that he chose to change nations. And I don't care if you're three years old or I don't care if you're 150 years old. If you know him, he chose you. Can I have the next slide? But I want to say this. Justice. That's a big word and it's loaded in this generation. What is it? What is justice? Please distinguish between biblical justice and social justice. Justice is not how I feel. Justice is who God is. So whatever analysis that you have on what justice is, it better come straight from the character of God. That is where you start. Justice is who God is. So if this act of justice or whatever is not aligning with who God's character is, then you need to reevaluate and you need to go back to the Holy One and ask him for clarity. Because justice is who God is. It's part of his nature. And it needs to look like him. It brings perfect balance of mercy, justice. That's who we are in this space. Justice as defined by the scriptures. And if that's unclear or there's a space that you need to look at that, if, if, 
If it doesn't sit right, please keep going back to him for clarity because guess what? He lives inside of you and he is the great advocate. He will make it clear as you seek him to help you understand the space because there's a lot of discussion, there's a lot of confusion right now about justice. But when I teach in School of Advocacy, Law, and Justice, I say, I'm not even talking about all that. All I'm talking about right now, bam, who is God? This is justice. And we need to get God's heart for justice. We need to go before him on our knees and say, Lord, what's on your heart? Where are you hurting? Because that is who our calling is. That is who we are supposed to be. Where are you hurting, God? I need to hear from you. I need to know what you want to do. And then he will share with you what his heart is. And then you ask him for his strategy. And you ask for clarity for any part of your own self that's been misaligned. Because we only see like in a mirror, but with him, it's face to face. Okay? This is, clarity comes from him. So that is, we talk about intercessory advocacy as the core of what we call holistic advocacy. Because if we want to make a change in the nations, we start with who God is, and we seek him. What is on his heart? Anything in our heart that needs to be corrected. And then his strategy for how he wants to deal with that. I'm um, coming to the next slide. So what do I do? Man, this is a lot of information. It's kind of nebulous out there, right? Like, this is great. That's nice. But so what? Of course we want to do something different. Of course we hate seeing injustice. Who doesn't hate seeing injustice? Who loves to see people suffering? Nobody, okay? Nobody that should be walking with Christ. Um, yeah. So he's shown you, oh man, what does the Lord require, require of you? Wow, that's a strong word for the scriptures. What does he require of you? Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. I used to meditate a lot on the scripture. And then, for some reason, God talks to me a lot when I'm running. It's kind of a sacred place. And he said, and I was on a run one day, and this, he, he brought this verse up. And he said, you know, Julie, the most important part of this verse, can you guess what that is? What do you think is the most important part of this verse? Rochelle, right? It's walk humbly with your God, the other stuff comes. The walking humbly is the key to this verse. It ends in power, walk humbly with your God. But you know what walking humbly with your God is? You know what the big challenge is? It's walking humbly with each other. Because walking humbly with God, you're usually we're like, oh yeah, I got this, me and God, yeah. What about your brother and sister that maybe not see exactly the same way as you? Then God's like, can you walk humbly with them? because you love me. And that's, that's the harder part. Okay. And again, I just feel like, what can I do? Because I feel like there's a lot of this information, there's a lot of data uh, that I'm kind of throwing at you and challenging you with today. Are you guys okay? Yes. <sighs> need to take a breath? Are we okay? Okay. See, I told you I had to jump up and write quickly. This was a lot of information. Okay, like, um, uh, can I have the next slide? It's this. First off, what can I do? You have the power in you that raised Jesus from the dead. Can you sit on that for a minute? It's not just raising someone from the dead. 
It's raising Jesus from the dead. Raising a God from the dead, quite an impressive statement. Right? I mean, and a person from the dead, amazing. A God from the dead, that's a whole new level. With all the sin and forgiveness for eternity to conquer death completely forever. That's a whole new level of raising from the dead. But you know what? That lives inside of you. If you know him, you, you have that inside of you. So why don't we see more things happening? I mean, that was a pretty monumental moment, raising from the dead. But that spirit lives inside of you. Why are we not seeing more things happening? Where is that who am I question? Can I have the next slide? What stops you from believing that he has chosen you to change the nations? Has it ever occurred to you that you were chosen to change the nations? To bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven? Do you, have you really wrestled with that? Because I think he's challenging you today to wrestle with that if you have not. He's chosen you. He's called you. He's invested the Holy Spirit inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead. What in your life stops you from believing what he wants to do in your life? Please take that to him and ask him. Please. Because one, another, another thing he was speaking to me was, it's this culture thing. You can do this because this is what you've always been told. This is what you're able to do, right? And he said to me, did I, did I say that or did you say that? Did I say that you could only do that? Or did you tell me that that's all you were willing to do? Do we put limits on what God has wanted for us to do? It is not just special people. It, it is all of us. And I'm serious when I say that. So it is, there are strongholds in our lives that the evil one uses to stop us from doing what God has called us to do because we believe the lie that we can't. We think, ah, oh, you know, that Billy Graham, I mean, you know, he did his, that, he's amazing, he can do that, but I'm not Billy Graham. Like, no, you're not, but you have the exact same spirit in you that raised Jesus from the dead. What is the lie that you have been told your whole life, whether it's by you, the evil one, or some family member or friend, that five, fifth grade girl, if she told you something in fifth grade, that boy in fifth grade about something in your identity, they were in fifth grade. You can let it go now, okay? They didn't have infinite knowledge just let it go, okay? It's not who you are. It is not who you are. Who are you? Tell me who you are. Let's see. One thing he says, you have the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. If we couldn't do it, he wouldn't have asked us to do it. But he equipped us to do it. He equipped you to do it. But the evil one is so easy. It's so easy. All we have to do, we self-defeat ourselves by saying, oh, yeah, you're right, I, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Did I, God's like, did I say you can't do that, or did you say you can't do that? And I want to challenge you. Ask him, was that me or was that you? 
And then you need to start renewing your mind because all those areas and those little lies that have been holding you back will continue to hold you back as long as the evil one can continue to tell you that that's the truth. So what do we do? You rebuild truth in those areas. Every time the evil one speaks to you that this is what you can't do, then you come back and say, I have the power that raised Jesus from the dead in me. He has called me and equipped me to go to the nations, to empower, to set the captives free. That is who I am because he says it. Because let me tell you, I don't know your circumstances, but I know him. And he knows the truth because he created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He chose you. It's not an accident. You're not like, you know, it's somebody else. No, it's just listen to me. It is not someone else. I'm literally talking to you. Okay, next slide. So here's the other thing. I love this. This is like one of the best verses. But you don't know, I'm kind of, I'm weak. You know, you don't know me. I don't have all these things that you guys have, okay? I don't have the degrees. I don't have, I don't care. Like that, that's not the question. This, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Guess what? The power of the Holy One is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, boast all the more gladly of your weakness that the power of God may be made perfect in you. So what? Here's the truth. When you say, I can't do it, say, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, wait a minute. This absolutely pulls down the power of heaven. These little areas that I struggle with, oh, no, this will pull down the power of heaven because I'm going to now surrender to the Holy One to let his power be used through me. Thank God for your weakness. It's the greatest gift he gave you. Okay, the next slide. And this is one that I, I, I also feel like I need to share with you, and it's, this is crazy to me. So you have the power in you that raised Jesus from the dead, but Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things. Greater things than Jesus. Jesus had a pretty impressive life. I mean, when you look at that man, he did really well in his time. 33 years, that guy nailed life, okay? He was amazing. Okay. But you, he's giving you, I'm going to the Father so that you can do greater things than I have done. Are you doing greater things than Jesus has done? Or has the evil one set you held you captive and said, nah, there's no point. It's not for me. So I just say, ask the Lord what these greater things are that he wants you to do. Okay, and then next slide. Okay, again, Elijah. We think of Elijah as having really done quite well in life, the whole calling down on fire from, you know, the guy, the chariots. The, he had some really powerful stories. But what is this? Elijah was a man just like us? Do you think Elijah was a man just like you or a woman just like you? Because I find this verse challenging because I don't look and think, I'm just like, I've got the power of, you know, like that, I, I walk like Elijah. I mean, the man prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years on the earth, and it didn't. And then he prayed again, and bam, it's raining. Okay, Verdi, beautiful. It did rain. They did have crops. 23 years of drought. They did have crops. Finally, the kids, as, as he was saying, were dancing in the streets. Right, they were like, 
<gasps> wow. And then I met one of the missionaries there two years later, and they had crops the next year. What do you think of that? Man, pray that it doesn't rain and it rains. Pray that it rains, it rains, and God saves nations. God brings healing to people. God gives them life abundantly. Man, crazy. Um, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do greater things. I just think about that. Like, it's not, it, it's truth. When you think, I can't do it, ask, why can't you do it? Is it you? Is it him? And if it's not him, then you need to fill your mind and rebuild the strongholds in your life of truth. Every space, every one of those lies, rebuild it with the power of the truth. Here's a few verses that you can start with. Let me tell you, the whole book is truth. Use them. Fight. Fight to be what God has called you to be because he has chosen you and he wants you to intervene with him. He doesn't want to fight the battles by himself. He can already do that. But he created you to be with him because he wants to be with you. So how are you going to answer this call? Can I have the next slide? How are you going to answer the call? What does it look like in your field? Go into all the world and make disciples. The world is everywhere. It's everybody. He may have called you to be a lawyer in a high-powered firm in New York. Thank God he didn't call me to do that. But, you know, <laughs> he calls us all the different things. But they're all, you're all, we are all his light in the darkness. We carry his presence with us where we go. We bring hope to people where we go. So where are you? How are you going to respond? And I don't want you to walk out this door and forget this word. Please, please don't. There are people desperate for the holy good news of God. And he, by his divine grace and wisdom, has chosen it to come from you. I don't know him. I don't pretend. I, mean, I don't know his thinking. I don't pretend to understand why he would take weak vessels like us and use them to his glory. But for some way, maybe that's the most powerful thing I've ever seen him do, is using weak people like us to bring glory to him, to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, to bring hope to the captives to set them free, to bring truth into areas of darkness, to rebuild strongholds in truth rather than in, in lies. All of these things. So I just want to say a few thoughts. Seek him. Who are you? Write it down. What does he say? If you need help, take the verses. Take these verses. Write them on your wall. Write them. When it talks about in the Old Testament, you know, putting on your door frames. Speak them to your children at night and at day. Speak truth. Speak truth to your children. They already have heard all garbage. They don't speak the truth. Those are truths. Speak them. Speak them to yourself. Re-evaluate how you see things. Every day, walk in it. And pray and ask God how he wants you to respond. I will show you how we are responding through our prayer, and we will tell you that. And you're welcome to join us. But ask him. Ask him for strategy. That's what advocacy looks like. You want to be an advocate? I, I know you do. 
would be an advocate. Get down. You ask the Lord what's on his heart. You pray into it. You get his perspective on it, and then you ask him how to strategically address it. And then you obey. Obedience, one of the most powerful things also God gave us. Obedience is more important than sacrifice. It's obedience. Can I have the next slide? These are some areas and ways that we have responded. So I'm just giving you these as practical elements to look at for you to know. But you must hear from God what he's calling you to do. And please, please do it. Please do it. It will be the most life-giving, freeing thing. It is what you were created to do. Do you want to come? <laughs> For us, we call it holistic advocacy. It starts with, like I said, prayer, getting God's heart, and then walking in obedience in every area of life. It is not just, hey, we're going to change this law. No, why are, these, why are people being trafficked? Do we just go in and take the woman out of the brothel? Well, there's just five others that's going to come up. It's like a hydra. There's going to be a whole new bunch of heads coming up. So how do we actually solve the problem? Why is it happening? And then how do we all work together to see it happen? Change. Strategy. That's what it, it comes from the throne room of God. Have strategy to change it in every area of society so that injustices are annihilated. That is what it looks like to follow him. So we created the Center for Advocacy, Law, and Justice to create a platform for this to happen. It's not the only thing. It's just one way that we saw we could do it within our mission to help send people out and to bring them hope and heal nations. I don't think anyone's going to... Okay, sorry, Great. next slide here. Can we have the next slide? I don't think anyone's going to deny that we're a generation of advocates. Um, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, whatever else it is. There's always somebody talking about advocating for something and justice. And what we want to be able to do um, was to be able to harness that in a biblical perspective and to be able to make effective change for nations in the community that you live in. And that's why we have started the Center for Advocacy, Law, and Justice. Um, we use Micah 8 as the basis of how we um, interact with community. And from that, it's an opportunity for us to contribute to the mission, to the ministry, by enabling each and every one of you that maybe has a specific calling because we know not everyone is called to go out into the Amazon. You know, not everyone is called to be um, a doctor. Not everyone is called to be a worship leader. But everyone has a heart to change society. Everyone has a heart to make God known. And everyone has a heart to be able to work for the betterment of their brother and sister. And so, if you can, next slide please. I think that is the last slide. Yeah. So what, what we, Julian, as a ministry, as a couple, as a family, is we are, um, we have three different things that we want to do. We want to train, right? We want to give you the opportunity to go through specific trainings. It could be DTS with YWAM. It could be seminary. Um, it could be seminars. It could be little workshops that we do to enable people to utilize the gifts, understand society, understand things from a biblical perspective, and be able to change who they are so that they can affect the community that they live in. We also um, want you to intercede, right? What we're calling the holistic advocacy starts with intercessory advocacy. You might not be called to India to go into the brothels, but you are called 
from your home to be able to put that prayer shield to protect the people that are doing that. And so what we want you to um, look into is how do you integrate advocacy into your prayer time? And so if it's something that you do at home on a day-to-day -day basis, if it's something that you do in your small groups, you know, we would love to be able to give you material that will help direct maybe certain focuses around the world so you understand what's happening. And thirdly, we want to partner, right? The, the um, walking humbly means that we have to give up ourselves and our ministry, our focus, our mission to what God's greater glory is. And the best way to do that is to enable everybody to succeed. And so we have these three opportunities as the, the foundational focus of what we do as a center. And we hope that we can talk to you guys outside and be able to like really equip you guys to succeed, equip you to heed your calling and equip you to change your community, you know, your family, your culture, your society, your nation. And thank you so much for this yeah, time. Yeah, thank you for this time. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Can we just stand together? We're going to wrap up our time. And I want to thank again Julie and, and Alan. Thank you for sharing your heart. And um, I got to tell you, if, if I was needing an advocate, Julie, I would want you to speak on my behalf. You know, the passion that you have for God, um, I think it was an encouraging thing to hear. But each and every one of us felt the challenge from the Holy Spirit as well. And so can we just close in prayer and, and take that time before God um, to just, with our hands wide open, say, what you've given me, uh, I, I want to use for your glory. And, and can we do that? Just take our hands and, and place them wide open. Lord, we've heard your truth. God, we've heard passionately your heart um, for injustice globally. Lord, we've heard from those who have, with authority, responded to you with the gifts that you've given them. And now here we are, God, with our hands wide open. We've been encouraged today. We've been pled with, God, in a, in a very healthy way to consider what, what it is that you've called us to do, to consider who we are. And Lord, we, with just symbolically with our hands open, we say, Lord, fill us afresh and anew. Lord, fill us with your truth. God, fill us with clarity about this moment in our life. I know there are some that are, are seeking you and, and, and wanting change in their life, having that desire to do something different, or maybe some um, seeking after the trajectory of their life. God, I pray you would speak clearly, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, for what you have shared with us today. We want to say that we receive it, Lord, and, and um, we want to apply it to our lives. So bless your people now, I pray. Uh, I pray you would walk with them throughout this week. God, I pray that you would fill them. Um, with your spirit. And we thank and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you and thank you for being here.
Tell him all about the man that I became And hope that it pleased him There's so much I want to say There's so much I want you to know When I Right. 